Yo, 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 what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another podcast episode. It's your girl, Taylor. How's everybody doing? I am super hyped um, because Jesus is good and he's doing cool things in my life and in the world. And I just see him moving and see him working. And it hypes me up, okay? It seriously gets me so hyped. If you're close to me, you know that sometimes I just... I get hyped, okay? I get hyped. So, anyways, I was reading today, and I was just very touched and excited and hyped about what I was reading. It was just good stuff. Um, The Holy Spirit uh, was given to us to teach us and lead us into all truth and remind us of the things that Jesus taught, and I just felt it impressed upon my heart to go to John chapter 8, so that's what I did, and it was good. You know, I, I've read some of these stories a good number of times now, and every time it's just something new. And I'm super excited to share with you the different things that the Lord showed me um, in John chapter 8. Um, but first, we have to pray because we need to ask the Lord to be with us in this moment. Um, so, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for waking us up, God. I thank you for being merciful to us. Thank you for your goodness, for your grace, um, for being all-powerful, Lord. I just praise you for your love for us, God. I praise you for just all the good things that you've done for us, Lord, things that we do not deserve. God, I just ask that you'd fill us up with your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that you would unclog our ears, that you would take our pride and Exchange it for humility, Lord, so that we would be able to hear what you have to say and strip off the things that you're asking us to remove. Um, And Lord, I just ask that this passage, Lord, would just glorify you in what we read, Lord, and that you'd convict our hearts of sin and that you would give us the power to to move forward without sin, Um, to be free from the things that we struggle with, Lord, and that we would participate with you in the sanctification process lord and i just thank you so much for all that you're doing and continue to do in our lives all praise and glory and honor to you jesus in jesus name amen okay so let's dive in so like i said we're in john chapter 8 and i'm kind of going to be bouncing around a little bit because there's a lot of good stuff in here so i'm sorry um ahead of time if it feels like we're jumping around just how it goes sometimes Um, But first, I just want to give a little bit of an overview of John chapter 8. John chapter 8 first opens with the story of the woman who's caught in adultery. Um, You know, she was caught in this act and the Pharisees brought her out and said, Hey, group of people, guess what? This lady was just caught in adultery. Jesus, what do you say we do about it? Because the losses were supposed to stone her. And he essentially just says, well, whoever doesn't have any sin, whoever's perfect, you you can stone her. Go for it. And of course, no one could because no one was sinless except for him. And he's just drawn in the sand and he looks up and he's like, hey, where did everybody go? And she said they're gone. And um, has anyone condemned you? No one. And he said, okay, well, neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. And I love two things about this. Uh, Well, a lot. But the main two things starting off here in this first section is just that uh, the Lord convicted the other people who were trying to take the speck out of someone else's while they start a giant log in their own 
Um, but then also that the Lord was very clear in what he asked or told her um, and asked of her after this event took place. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. God was telling her, Jesus in that moment was saying to her that he doesn't condemn her. But then he called her to something higher and said to leave your life of sin. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, we need that encouragement. We think that we're just terrible and there's no point in trying and cleaning ourselves up and Jesus doesn't want us or love us because we're too dirty. Well, I can tell you that that's not true. When we come to Christ, it says in his word in 1 John that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and forgive us of our sins and to make us pure again. But he calls us higher after that. Romans 8 talks about how there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So condemnation is not something that is put onto us when we believe in the Lord, when we have faith in Jesus, when we know that we are sinners and need God's grace and need his forgiveness. Um, but when we do come to that point and we give our lives over to the Lord, he calls us to a higher standard. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the sanctification process starts where these these uh, sinful and decaying and dead parts of us are put to death and new life is brought and he prunes us and he disciplines us and he polishes us up um, to present himself a pure and blameless bride, his church, for when he comes again. Um, but he calls us higher. He says to leave our lives of sin. And obviously we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's a beautiful thing because he doesn't condemn us in the process. He just encourages us and helps us to be freed from the things that we struggle with. Um, then the next part is when Jesus is talking to, um, I'm not sure if you can hear my sister singing in the background, but she's a great singer. Um, but anyways, so the next section, uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about who he is. And I picked out this one thing that Jesus said and it, um, these, these two sentences, and it really just kind of encouraged me, um, just on things that, the Lord has really been speaking to my heart over and really to all of us um, lately. And I've talked about this on podcast a bajillion times at this point. But Jesus said um, when the Pharisees were challenging him, he said that even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know where I came from and where I'm going. And then a few sentences down, he says, I am not alone. I stand with the father who sent me. And I think one thing that's really important is, is that Jesus knew who he was. He knew his identity. He knew who qualified him. He knew who gave him authority. He knew who loved him. He knew who he was. And he knew where he was going. He knew that no matter what, that God had this plan for him, you know, planned out, written up, and was going to bring it to fruition and he believed his father's words to him and he believed um, what God was going to do. And I think that that's so important for our own lives just because the world is going to try to tell you who you are. Your friends are going to try to tell you who you are. Your teachers, your bosses, your coworkers, everybody's going to try to tell you, no, 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 like live your life. Your truth is your truth and all these different crazy things. But in 
following Christ's example, we have to take a look at what our Father says about us and know that and believe it and choose to um, believe God. Not just believe that He exists, but believe Him. Take Him for His word. Take Him for what He says and believe it. And then walk in that and know that you're not alone and that the Father stands with you and that He is sending you out to accomplish that higher calling that I had mentioned earlier. Um, and to do good things that he had planned for you long ago. Um, Then jumping over to the next section, they are again disputing who Jesus is, saying you're crazy and calling him all these things. And um, he said, "Um, I am from above. You are not of... Sorry, you are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Um, And it kind of goes back to what I just talked about, about knowing, you know, who we are and knowing who Jesus is um, and believing, you know, God and believing his word and believing him um, when he tells us who he is. Um, and it reminds me a lot of something that I've been reading in John chapter 3 as well. I'm just going to um, move over in my Bible to John chapter 3 really quick. But a couple different times in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking about um, the people who believe and the people who don't. Obviously, we all know the verse. Not we all, but it is a very commonly known verse, I should say. Sorry for saying that. It's Some people don't know the verse. Um, John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, And then here's back to that condemnation. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And then this kind of confirms again what Jesus is saying back in chapter 8 that I just read. Um, If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. And In chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And um, something that, that the Lord has taught me is that our sin isn't necessarily the thing that condemns us. It is our unbelief. When we choose to not believe in Jesus, when we choose to live our lives for ourselves, when we choose to, you know, take our faith elsewhere, essentially, um, we are in unbelief and that is what condemns people. So all of the unbelievers in the world are not condemned by the sins that they commit, although those are definitely parts of the evidence in the verdict of being condemned. It all starts with unbelief. It all starts with their choice of rejecting Jesus Christ and living for themselves and for living in the world and for not believing as the Lord has asked us to believe. And and in John chapter 3, it talks about that. Jesus talks about it multiple times, multiple times. Um, He talks about it up in that section I was uh, telling you about. And then he also talks about it again. Um, at the end of chapter three, and it just uh, says that the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on them. And so Jesus being perfect and having the same message from Genesis to Revelation in, in his word is saying the same thing here in 
chapter 8, but now he's specifically talking to the Pharisees. Um, And again, they ask him, who are you? In verse 25, and he says, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who has sent me is trustworthy. And I have heard from him from, and what I heard from him, I tell the world. So, you know, we need to trust God and, and trust what he says, believe what he says about us, believe in our identities that he has given us in his son, Jesus, believe in Jesus, um, believe that we need him, repent of our sins. And Jesus is even encouraging us here. Our father in heaven is trustworthy. He says, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And I think that's so cool. Um, and then, um, a couple verses down, it says, the one who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do what pleases him. Um, and obviously we don't always do what pleases God because we are still broken. Jesus was perfect. We are in the sanctification purification process and we won't be perfect until we are in heaven with the Lord. But, um, the way that the Lord spoke to me through that verse is just that you know, it's a reminder that he's with us. God is with us. He has not left us alone and, um, that we need to trust in him and rely on his power to do what pleases him and to leave our lives of sin as he told the woman in adultery and as, uh, and believe in him as he has told us and encouraged us, um, in John three and here in John eight. And then, um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. I told you this thing would be all over the place. There's just so many good things that I underlined in here. Um, in verse 31, he says to the Jews who had believed him, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I was just, you know, having this conversation with a few different people, um, and young adults group was talking about this on Friday, but, um, the true effect of the gospel, the true effect of Jesus and the sanctification that he's working on in our lives and us having the Holy Spirit and knowing God is um, our obedience and is this, you know, change in our lives. And um, sometimes, you know, people, the only, I've heard this quote before, the only Bible they're ever going to read is us and how we act, what we say. And that is not to say that we need to be perfect by no means, but it's how we respond to our mistakes. Do we own it? Do we apologize? Do we repent? Do we ask for forgiveness and do we change? Or do we just say, ah, there's grace for that and and continue in our sin? Um, are we showing the world, those unbelievers, that Jesus is real and that he is capable of resurrection? He is capable of resurrecting hearts. He is capable of putting to death the old sinful nature and bringing out in us a new life, living water that flows within us. Um, do we believe that, first of all? And then are we walking in it? Um, and I just read my notes, obedience is a marker and outward proof of a saved soul. The truth about God and who we are is what sets us free. So knowing who God is, knowing that he is holy, and righteous and so far above us and so much more glorious and radiant and deserving of all honor, glory, and praise and knowing that we are but dust of the earth, a mere creation that was spoken into the into existence by this God. Knowing that, that, I mean, I have no words sometimes when I think about it, 
that alone should put into perspective just how deserving the Lord is of our time and of our affections and of our repentance. He wants us to come to him and repent so that he can cleanse us and he can make us whole and he can make us new and that he could bring us into this life, this uh, full life that he has for us. And then if we jump down, um, Jesus is talking about how whoever sins is a slave to sin. But um, although sin uh, slaves have no permanent places in a family, a son belongs forever. And if the son sets us free, we will be free indeed. And again, it goes back to really believing Jesus and what he says. Jesus says that he's here to free us and to um, impart his righteousness to us, to give us freedom from our sins. Do we believe that he's able? And um, and another story where you know there's this well, this water, not well, it's like a pool, I should say, not a well. It's a pool with healing waters in it, and there's a man who can't move, and he's been laying by this pool for years, and Jesus comes by and, interestingly enough, asks him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And when I first read that, young Taylor was like, that's a weird question, but okay, Jesus has his reasons, but my mom kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Obviously the Holy Spirit was working in her, but, um, and she said, no, Taylor, he's asking that because there had to have been a part of this guy that either gave up, didn't believe anymore, or was kind of comfortable in his lack and was kind of okay with people helping him or whatever was happening. And so We have to ask ourselves that. Do we want to get well? Do we want to be freed from our sin, first of all? And second of all, do we believe that Jesus is capable of freeing us from our sin? Um, Do we believe that Jesus is capable of bringing us new life, of saving us, of redeeming us, of cleansing us, of helping us start over and empowering us to have joy and peace? Um, Do we believe it? And the next part that really got me, that really got me was in a few verses down right after that. Actually, it's the next verse, verse 37. Um, and Jesus is still talking to these Pharisees and he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. And I literally clapped like out loud in my room. I was like, Holy Spirit, wow, this is some good stuff. Because how many times do we not leave any room for the Lord in our hearts? How many times do we not leave room for his word? Because we want to hold on to our own opinions. We want to hold on to our own values, our own truth, so to speak. But Jesus is literally saying, no, 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 no. Read my word. Take what I have to say. The truth about who I say that you are. The truth about who I say about myself. The truth about the world and how we're supposed to approach it. Put that into your heart. But we can't. We can't put it in our hearts if we don't have room for it. If we are in pride, holding on to the things that we shouldn't be holding on to, not even giving the Lord a chance to come in and and clean sweep our hearts um, and to organize it a little bit and do some rearranging. Um, And so this is a short episode, but I kind of just wanted to, to end it there and just ask you, do you have room in your heart for the Lord? Do you have room for his word? And I I just want to leave it at that.
So ask yourself that question, really think about it, um, and ask yourself if you believe who he says he is. Do you believe?